Welcome to Uncultured Bias. My name is Kamara Williams. I'm your host. On our show, we say that culture is a matter of perspective and opinion. After all, culture is just another way to say discovered. We are uncultured. We are biased. We are black. If you're tuning in, I want to first say thank you for tuning into the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our podcast, both on Apple and Spotify. Also, be sure to visit the website at kamarawilliams.com, where I have an active blog uh, that actually incorporates whether that discussion from that podcast or things I didn't really get to that I wanted to speak to speak about, but just didn't want to have time to record a pod. So um, if you haven't done so, please check it out. It's great content. It's also a great place for people to go on there, interact, give ideas for a pod, or you just idea in an article, can I speak about this? So it's very, I, I checked the, the message boards and the message go right to my email. And, uh, you know, it's a great way to be interactive with people who are fans of the content. All right, if you're listening on Apple, uh, please be sure to rate the um, the episode, uh, leave a message or, uh, I guess, a five-star rating and a review. Um, but more importantly than anything, even if you're not on Apple or Spotify, the ask I'm asking everybody, ask I'm asking, that's a weird statement, uh, is to send it to your friends. We don't want to be the best-kept secret. So, you know, if, one of the little things I find that's so interesting, especially about this show, the organic uh, exchanging of this show. So you're telling people, hey, I found this really great podcast or really great content, or there was something in the pod that really, really moved me that I want you to check out. It's, you know, at this particular section. That stuff means a lot. So please, please, please do so if you like the content um, and share it with your friends. One of the coolest things I've gotten was when I walked into the barbershop randomly and somebody's like, yo, man, I listen to your pod. And I've never actively engaged with this person. Um, so, you know, that means it's spreading and that means people are talking and that people like you. And I really do appreciate it if you've done so. So share it on your social media, share it in your, in your group chats, share it on your text messages. And that is the thing I will, will ask you to do. Even if you don't review, just share it. All right. Good. Got it. Great. All right. Today's podcast, we are going to talk about performative activism and we're bringing on somebody who I've had on once before. He was a part of uh, my political cleanser part three, and we got really good feedback on just how much of a nihilist he was, <laughs> how much people didn't, how much he didn't like anything. And I said to myself, "All right, well, I got to have him back on." And I'm talking with my my dude Jason. What's up, Jace? What's going on, man? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna. Do, we should probably call this series "Jason Hates Everything." <laughs> <laughs> You know, nothing, nothing. Jason, no, you don't like nothing, man. Nothing, man. Nothing. <laughs> you need some hate? Call me. I got you. You know, <laughs> Jason don't even like his first name. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you name me that, Mama? <laughs> no, man. I'm like, if you're familiar with the Boondocks, I'm like Stink Man. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's my homeboy calls, and he's like, you just like Stink Man. Yeah, man. <laughs> you probably right, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> you know, man. But nah, I, you know, so. Jace, uh, people know from the uh, first time you've been on the pod, you know, we text often, yeah. you know, we prior to the show, we're just talking about how we're involved in a group chat and everything that goes along with that. But um, I don't know. Did you text me or did I text you? It was about an article or something. I'll tell you. You know what, man? We may have. It may have been both of us. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was to, to let everybody in on what, what we're talking about. Um, the Grammys happened. And there was a performance by Little Baby. Yeah. Little Baby is a, he's an artist that. That's just one way to put it. One way to put it, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, he's got a moment right now where everybody's mm -hmm. listening to music. I kind of feel like, I, 
I feel like, well, we can get into this, but I, I don't know if I think he has staying power. Um, you know what, man? I, I I was thinking about that the other day because I, I kept hearing people say, like, oh, he's so dope and he spazzed out on this track. And I'm listening and I'm thinking, spazzed out on what? Yeah. But I also, I'm like, okay, maybe it's not for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've aged out of that group where, you know, Lil Baby ain't making music for a 37-year-old black man. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, kind of hold back on my critiques of artists that are that young because I recognize you, you ain't doing it for me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still listen to Biggie, Nas, and Jay-Z, and that we, we talking about the early 90s. Yeah. So a lot of these cats, man, and it may have been Lil Baby, one of them was like, I don't know anything about Biggie. <laughs> All right. I mean, I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like you yeah. were, were you alive when Biggie? You know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I get it. it. It's not for me. Um, so I just choose not to listen to it. I listen to I listen to Little Baby. I try to listen to a lot of music. I just I'm just a I love music. Yeah, you know. And yeah. so I will admit some of it has me baffled. I'd be like, I don't know. This this is just not for me. You know. And then you know, like you said, there's some artists I just like. I this is not. I, I give everything a shot. I listen yeah. to something once. Yeah. And the thing is, if you don't grab me in the first couple of minutes, I'm like, eh. That's how it was a little baby, man. Like, I heard a couple songs, and I'm like, I, I like it. I love it, I guess. But I won't be listening again. So I listened to his, his album, that the one that got, you know, put him the last yeah. one he dropped. And I, you know, and I did, I wasn't, I'm not going to admit, I didn't, I mean, I'm going to admit, I did not listen to it when it first dropped. I listened to probably, uh, couple weeks after yeah but the conversations i was seeing online both on twitter and on facebook and just whatnot just read this hip-hop laws like, oh it's a classic and i was like oh so i was like in my mind i'm like oh okay i mean i've been meaning to get to the album yeah. but like you know it's the impetus of like i'm gonna go listen to it now because they talking classic so i listened to it and i was like is this what they call a classic <laughs> this? because this is uh, it's different. It's, now, not, man. it's, it's not exactly. So... I liked a couple songs, but I was like, it didn't. It didn't move me like that. It wasn't like, and honestly, some a lot of it sounded the same. Some just sounded sound like this is making the same song over and it's over. It's making over the same yeah. song. It's, it's over the and same over. with uh, the baby. So I like the baby. Oh yeah. Like I think he has potential, but when I listen to his albums, I'm like, y'all just remixing the same song over Kirk, yeah. and over and over again. That album Kirk, it was just like, oh my god! It was man. like after about song six, you're like, okay, okay. So y- mean, y'all didn't even try when you were in the studio. He, when he makes a joke like, he has to switch up the flow. I'm like, you, you have you didn't to, switch you're like right, like you okay, you you're sitting there listening, <laughs> like, all right, but can you? Switch, when is it coming? When's when, it coming? When you switching the flow up? Man, so, uh, man. so. That was a section of being old, old black <laughs> Very men. Much so. Old black men listening to <laughs> young music. <laughs> Sponsored by <laughs> Ben Gay. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. But um, speaking of sponsors, please ch- uh, check out uh, Compass Tax Advisors. Uh, it's a tax season. If you got your stimmy, uh, please, please, please uh, don't piss off the government. The government, not the government, the government. And check out compasstaxadvisors.com where... They'll help you work through your tax issues or just you want to file your tax returns. Um, it's a place where I use for my own taxes. So shout out to that. Shout out to my friend Jamie Coleman, who is the owner of that company. And uh, yes, so that was my little plug. All right. 
You know, you know when you're on a, an official podcast is, is is two things. One is that when they have to stop to do sponsor shout outs. Yeah. And two, when there are commercials that are inserted into the podcast oh. for the and it's like, <laughs> all right, Kamara was like, yo, I'm starting this podcast. Like, all right, dope, man. Let me know. And then next thing you know, he's like, our sponsors. And I'm like, sponsors? Like, <laughs> wait a minute. Like, all right, man, just make sure you, you return my texts and calls. And you <laughs> when, when the commercials start rolling, man, and, and some other network picks it up, though. <laughs> hey, man, from your lips to God's ears. There man. you go. Yeah, there you go, listen, man. You know, I ain't trying to practice all my life. <laughs> you know, I ain't trying to fight all my, all yeah. my life. I had to fight. You Look, know, man, man, trying to be on the beach doing this podcast. Yeah, you know, that's what I want to do. Else. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I, I want to... I want to know what the uh, what the good life what they rap about the songs I listen <laughs> yes. to. Okay, there we go. Okay, you know, now we back on it. Yeah, I wanted to hear what the good life is. I wanted, to, you know, what is it like to have a Maybach? <laughs> Thank you. What, Thank you. Why does the Rolls Royce door go go that way? Like two, like two chains says. <laughs> the doors go that way. What do they? What? What? Do, Look, what? Where do they go? Like, what does it feel like to charge a car? <laughs> <laughs> you plug your car in at night and you go to bed. Like, I still fill my joint up, man. Oh, I'm gonna give you one. What does it feel like to go on vacation and not check your bank account? Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> now that's the good one. <laughs> like you don't even worry about nothing. It. Like, yep. Yeah, like you know, yeah, I lost a couple. Like a couple. What? Yeah, yeah. I just. You know, yeah, like, we went on vacation. How much we went? I don't even know, man. Oh, I got a budget. Yeah. I know what I'm sticking like. Oh, it's the last day of vacation. Like, yeah, let's go to... Um, no, we're going to eat McDonald's tonight. We, we're a little bit too overboard. We can't have that nice dinner. <laughs> right, right. We but we had a schedule. Okay, we're going to have to unschedule it then. Yeah. Mm-mm. yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, but back back to your point about little baby, I, I can't remember the name. That was of the a bad segue. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it really was. We talking about the good life. You, should, going back you know to what you would have said? You know, uh, speaking of baby, uh, baby back ribs. <laughs> you know, speaking of eating eating good, back to little baby. <laughs> I like that. that, that Edit that part out and yeah. put that part in. You know, I like you that went one. Into, I like my baby back, baby. You could have went. <laughs> you could have trans segue a little bit better. Yeah, that was a rough one, man. That's all that right. Was a rough one. <laughs> you know, speaking of baby back ribs. Yeah. You know, Talking yes, about talking baby. about little baby. <laughs> I cannot remember the name of that dang song that he performed at the Grammys, but yeah. I remember when it first dropped. Like I remember getting text messages like, "Have you heard this like song from it?" I'm like, "No, mm-hmm. you should go listen to it." Mm-hmm. Okay, I heard it. It was okay. It was all right. Like it didn't move me. Yeah. Then again, I'm jaded as hell. So, and again, I will go back to I recognize this is not for me. Mm-hmm. He's speaking to his audience, and the his song audience, was called "The Bigger Picture." By the, the bigger way. picture. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And I know, I know, we're going to talk about what what kind of led to it, but I, you know, I I want to say that was released around the same time as the protests were going on last mm-hmm. year. And I just remember listening to it, thinking this if this is the protest music, protest music that we are getting. Then I think we are in trouble because you know when you think okay civil rights movement, other movements like th- there's always been some type of soundtrack I yeah. guess that you could go back to or, or songs that you think yeah I we don't have any of that right now yeah so the song came out in June of 2020 mm-hmm. right after George Floyd yeah and yeah I just remember you know social media going. Crazy over crazy it. Over the song. Yes. And I remember watching the song. I was like, the visuals are fine. But I was like, I wasn't like moved by listening to it. No, man. I was, I thought it was like, 
the way the people were going crazy, I was like, I thought it was gonna be something like it's gonna be. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. I was man. like, it's okay. I yeah. and I've never listened to it again. Same. I've Same. never listened to that song. Same. And and that's not a diss to him. Nah, it's just I didn't. It didn't move the needle with me like that. Not at all. It was kind of like, all right, whatever. But then what what caught me was how. It was being pushed. It kept getting legs about this. Is the pro- this is the protest song of the summer. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, that's the same. The same song was that I listened. To. I was like, nah, nah. Yeah, yeah I'm. I, we're the same. I just and again, and it's his highest charting song. Yeah, it it had it obviously had some type of impact. It had it had some. Yeah, I just don't know. You know. When we are in our fifties, and you know, little baby, I'm guessing he's in his twenties now, mm-hmm. and he's in his, you know, forties or whatever. <clears throat> you know, are we going to look back, or is his generation going to look back, or is he going to look back and say he's twenty six, by the way? Oh, he's older than I thought. Okay, yeah. So he's in his, let's just say, twenty years from now, he's in his late forties, and it's like, yeah, man, you releasing that song changed this or changed that, mm-hmm. or is it going to be when we look back on the history or the moment? You know, of 2020, is that what 2020 is going to be remembered for? Independent of George Floyd being murdered, mm-hmm. but the soundtrack of it is that going to be one of the songs that we remember? And like, I can't, you know, I hope that you know God allows me to live long enough to see grandkids. If that's what my two kids choose to do, and it's like, am I going to be able to put on uh, Marvin Gaye? What's going on? Mm. Or Gil Scott Heron? Mm. You know, Whitey's on the Moon, or you know, Nina Simone? I mean. Like what? What? What do we have? So I'm, re- I'm reading a review, right? Um, when and a music critic says, uh, "Little Baby's song is a protest anthem that manages to strike even more poignantly, but not inherently branding itself as such." Uh, is he articul- He articulates the frustration and confusion and innate call to action for standing up. And be, to be much bigger than himself. And then another critic says, while Kendrick Lamar's voice was a sound for Mike Brown, Eric Garner, Freddie Gray protests with his song, All Right, it seems clear that Little Baby's song is a song of now. And I was like... But you know what? I feel the same about Kendrick's second album, the To Pimple Butterfly. Okay, that, we can get into that. I, I, that didn't resonate with me. I love To Pimple Butterfly. Butterfly. Yeah. So we're, this is where the roads diverge. Yeah, I, I didn't, and and not because it was bad. Like I don't think Kendrick makes it's bad my, music. It's my it's my favorite Kendrick album. I it's my least favorite. I've I've listened to it maybe twice. Oh, I, I and I I've, I just don't go back to it. And and I, I remember a friend of mine who's a professional music critic. Mm-hmm. You know, was saying you know maybe it was just too dense for you. And I'm like Mm-mm, that that wasn't it at all. Like I right. understood it completely. I just right. didn't like it. You thought it was performative. I thought that he tried a little bit too hard. Like when I heard the title to Pimper Butterfly, and then I heard him explain it. I'm like, this sounds like freshman literature. And yeah, man. It just, and again, I'm not saying that's bad, Yeah. but I just felt as if he was trying to be something that I don't think is really who he is. Like I, like you, you can see the the growth or the trajectory where he was going, like the Black Israelites and all that with his third album. And damn, like it's all over it. Mm-hmm. And I think you know he was in that process even on Good Kid, Mad City. Which now that's my favorite Kendrick album. Mm. I go back to that album often, but I I felt like it was a story from the intro until the end 
and with to pimp a butterfly, and and I understand and I respect what it means to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but like you know the we gonna be all right. Um, there were a couple of other joints on there where I'm just like I, it just didn't do anything for me. Like it wasn't, it, you know the the material was fine. I get what he was attempting to do. Again, I'm not saying this is a bad album at all. But I just didn't feel as if that was, it was almost like emptiness. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Not a bad emptiness as if he was going into the studio and he's like, I'm going to make this music because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. There's nothing behind it. I think there's something behind it for him. But as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, there's not really much here for me. You know, uh, I thought that the album for me, I I loved that he took it from a different Place from mm-hmm. Good Kid, Mad City. It stylistically was different, um, and I wish more artists would do that. It's, yeah, and it's, especially for a second album. Yeah, I, I and I love that he tried to incorporate elements of like it was a jazz portion and maybe more of a blues, not bluesy, but he it was it was blues, but not because it didn't have any blues elements. It, was, it had a lot of jazz undertones to it. A lot it, of man. jazz undertones. Like that untitled album that yeah. did that that now that album of my I love. I do love the untitled. Yeah. But, but I'm a I'm a Kendrick stan, so it's hard yeah. for me to get, you know, I'm I'm I just love Kendrick Lamar. And so I felt like now I, I would say all that to say I loved Paper Butterfly, but I didn't think as I'm reading that that um whatever it's called, the, the review. review. Yeah. And it said we gonna be all right was the song of the um, the movement, I was like, ah, I don't know if I, that's, to me, I don't know if that's what I would, I think like Wesley's Theory, you know? Uh, yeah. I like I, I would say that you know one I mean? before, yeah. You yeah. know, like that's to me, or Hood Politics, you know, like I felt like that is. I also think it's a disservice to compare Lil Baby song to it's not. It's not a. It's comparison. not a fair comparison. And you kind of set little baby up for the wrong. Yeah, reason. you know man. what I mean. Yeah, like I don't think little baby. And I'm. I'm sitting here saying like I didn't think the album was that deep, but yeah. I don't think like if 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 Kendrick to me is in the four to five feet, like little baby's feet ain't even touching the water. Yeah. But I did. I do love all right though. I just want to put that out yeah. there. Like all right, but I. I think there were more stronger contextual songs than all right. I know All Right was a single. Yeah. You know, but yeah. that's, and that's all I'm trying to say. Like, I I like different singles on mm-hmm. the on the album. Um, but that's not where we're here. But it kind of goes into the old place, though. Of I perf- think it does. Performative. What yeah. is performative activism? Yeah. I, so I, I think that the backdrop of this is is Lil Baby. And, and the Grammy and the performance he had at the Grammys where he's you know, him and his people on stage are yelling at the police officers and, you know. Tamika Merrily was on there. Tamika and Killer Mike. And, get into all that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't watch it, but I saw some clips of it, you know, because it was kind of inescapable, you know, mm-hmm. over the weekend. And I'm looking, like, they're yelling at these white guys that they had to hire for this performance. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That's performative. Mm, performative. That is all performative. I get that it's supposed to be performance art. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But... I don't feel as if that was like when I saw Tamika and Killer Mike standing there, I'm like, okay, you know, maybe Killer Mike's a rapper. So he's there, you know, to support a fellow rapper. But I'm like, Tamika Mallory is there. You know, like where's the line between activism and being a celebrity? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So is it okay to appear in a little baby video or performance 
when they're talking about something that's so closely aligned to your life's work? Or is that blurring or crossing the line because you're not supposed to be a celebrity? You know what I mean? You're not supposed to be like, you know, I don't consider Martin Luther King a celebrity. I don't consider, I didn't consider Malcolm X a celebrity. They got celebritized, if that's a word. Yeah. Um, in their death. Well, not even that because they, they were they were celebrities in the sense that the definite. No, I'm sorry. Let's let's clean that up. They weren't yeah. celebrities. They were popular figures, well known figure because well known. Okay, well known. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. celebrity it is pejorative in its sense of what that really means. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, what is a celebrity? You know what I mean? Like, what is the definition of a celebrity? I know we keep going, we're winding in this spiderweb of different topics, but like, what is a. Yeah, what's the definition of a celebrity? And I I just, I wouldn't consider those individuals to be that. So, celebrity by (laughs) definition is Dick Webster's dictionary is a famous person. So See, I disagree with that. I'm just telling you. This is what no, I know. I, I, I get that. It, it, but you know what? I, I, I was having a conversation with my friend this morning because he's like, you know, black people or racist black people get on my nerve. And I'm like, black people can't be racist, dog. And he's like, yes, they can. I said, OK, let's let's flesh this out a little bit, a little bit more. And he's so he's like, well, what's the official definition? So I sent him the official definition of racism. He's like, see, it says. And I said, that's perfectly fine. That doesn't mean it's true just because it appears in a dictionary. Uh, And I think it it would celebrate. I I, I get it, but I don't, I do not think that you can be serious in this work and have those type of alignments. Okay. But if you get notoriety comes with great work, right? So become, you know, becoming uh, known not by any fault of your own. Correct. You know? Yes. And yet still de- you're still defined as a celebrity. So you... Martin Luther King is a celebrity because he's a famous person. He's a notable person. That's Malcolm X was a celebrity. Now, by the they, official definition. By the official definition. Yes. So they were just for that scope. Yeah. Yes. Now, there's sub-levels to that. There's context to that. Yes. And that's what you want to get to. Yes. Because the context of being a celebrity, like, all right, I can use my voice and my platform to do the work, yep. which is what they did mm-hmm. to their detriment. Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying, right? Because they didn't monetize off of their celebrity. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes. I think that's the, the Piccadilly. That's where it flips, man. Yeah, that's the, where it flips. It's, it, the, Martin Luther King gave away basically every dime he had. Even when he got the Nobel Peace Prize, he gave that money back to the yeah. uh, Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And I'm not saying that. You know, you are required to do those things because I recognize you got to live still. Mm-hmm. But you know, in in in, Sean King was involved in this as well. He's, he's kind. Of, he's really he's got kind of under a lot of fire. We can get it, Sean. King. Oh my gosh, man! But when you start, I guess having an audience, pretty much daily or mm-hmm. weekly or all the time with other celebrities, then I think that's when it gets clouded. Because I don't think your judgment is as clear as it was before. Because to me, it seems, at least for him, that he's more beholden to how do I continue to please these folks so I can remain in this circle mm-hmm. instead of the actual work that he portends that he wants to do. And the black death and trauma that he profits off of, you know, whether you agree with it or not, you know, Sean King got popular for the Mike Brown and, um, he, because honestly, I was like, is this cat an attorney? Because he had all these drawings and sketchings about how, you know, the way the officer described the, the murder, it couldn't have happened this way. And he was showing videos of people getting murdered and killed by the cops. 
And then eventually you get to a point like, okay, like how many more deaths do we have to show on camera Mm -hmm. to change the white man's mind, so to speak? Or are you doing this because you know it's going to continue to bring you popularity and eyes to your social media account? Right, or his um, he was a writer for the New York Post at one point. Yeah. Some kind of writer. Um, oh, he's some kind. <laughs> not, not a good one. Not a, but at any rate. He's not a great writer. Yeah. So where, you know, where's the line that we draw, I guess, and maybe this is for black people, mm-hmm. that you are okay with? So in the case of Tamika Mallory, you know, Tamika is very close to Al Sharpton. If you remember, she got in trouble some years ago with the, uh, what is it called? The Women's March, I think. Yeah. Where she refused to denounce Minister Louis Farrakhan for his, uh, I think it was the homophobic statements. It could have been the statements he's made about uh, Jewish people. I'm not sure, but she was like, I'm just too close to him. I'm not doing that. At what point does the water just get a little bit too cloudy to where we stop to respect these people? Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of us have gotten there with Sean King. I don't think it's the majority because obviously he's still popular. Mm-hmm. But then the other side of this is where does entertainment, what role does entertainment play? Because entertainers have always had a role in the struggle, at least uh, in recent memory, mm. in the struggle of black people. Right. You know, like Harry Belafonte was, uh, you know, giving money. And then uh, what's my man's name? Marlon Brando was giving money. So, what role do we allow for them to play in the overall, you know, so-called global struggle of, you know, black people in the, I'll put it like this. What role do we allow them to play in the overall struggle of people in the global South? So if I'm going to allow, you know, someone like Sean King and killer Mike and other celebrities of that name, T.I. who, has, I, I, you know, it's weird. I have, T.I. Is on, is on the hit list, too. We're going to talk about him today. Yeah, like someone who calls himself an activist and calls Atlanta Wakanda and all this. Like, where do we draw the line? Yeah. I don't know because, I again, we go back to me. I don't like any of them for their politics. I yeah. still may listen to some of the music, but I think the politics and all, like, I, that's that's not your role, dog. Like, yeah. you you can fund it. Right. You know, like if, if Kamara's the, the, the big activist, so to speak, yeah, I don't. Yeah, you okay? You got to survive. We got to have money for these marches and movements. Okay, so write the check. That's fine. We don't need you to get involved, though. We don't need you to be front and center. No, that's yeah. not your role, man. Yeah. Like we we don't need that. And then that's how I think that we we are in the position we are now. So where number one, everything is being commodified, and number two, where in the world are we? Do you even remember what happened to George Floyd? We don't talk about that anymore. Yeah. It was just like it wasn't even a year ago. Yeah. Wasn't even a year ago, and we're already at a point where we're arguing or having conversations about, you know, and I, and I get that it, it wasn't. We're not arguing or having conversation about little baby because of the performance. I think we're having one due to the fallout from the performance, and that was from Tamir Rice's mom. So yes, that bringing it back to this, this is how we got to this conversation, um, because it started. We started having these discussions on social media about. The integrity of social, the integrity of yes. social movements, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Tamir Rice, Tamir Rice's mother, for those who are not aware, did a public call out about a lot number of different people. Um, it's like the second or third time she's done it. This is the second time, but this time it got. I mean, got a lot of more attention this time. 
or or it's just got attention for the moment, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I read off this list. So she named off Tamika Merrily, Sean King, Benjamin Crump, Lee Merritt, um, Patrice Cullors, uh, Melina, Melina Abdullah, and um, just Black Lives Matter in, in general. Yes. So that was, and then she went off to say that they're just using, um, using tragedy to, you know, I guess make money, make money, uh-huh. put push up their own pockets, but. None of these people are really activists. None of them are really helping. The yep. money doesn't get back to the communities. Yep. It goes right directly to them, and it's, it's performative. Then it came out shortly thereafter, or maybe in relation to, a hip-hop artist named Chica out of Chicago. She did this whole thing where she was like, there's a celebrity black activist group chat. <laughs> Literally, the same day. And people were like, wait. A group of my Black Lives Matter celebrity group, group chat. chat. They're like, wait, what? What's so funny about that is she came back. And, and tried to clean it up. Yes. Yes, she was like, no, those were my words, not anybody else's. But I'm like, we get the point. Yeah. Um, why is there a Black Lives Matter celebrity group chat? Right. And I, I'll be honest with you. You know, part of her explanation, I'm like, I can kind of understand that. We're that giving people their explanation. You know, her explanation basically was, you know, basically the fans watching, which they are. Mm-hmm. And it was just much easier for them to mobilize and to, you know, uh, plan different things on the chat instead of doing it on social media and public spaces. Right. Okay. That's, I, I get that part of it. I'm not saying that that was wrong for it, but a Black Lives Matter celebrity group chat. Mm-hmm. Which is basically what it was. She was like, "No, those were my words." Okay, that's fine, but that's that's what it was. You know what it made me feel like? Somebody hit her on the on the offline. Hey, man, why'd you why'd you? Say yes, that? yes. I, I was felt like, like somebody somebody hit her. It was somebody like, pulled her coattails. Pulled her coattails. Like, hey, man, we can't have none of that. We can't have you out here saying we all on a group chat. Like, yeah. nah. Yeah, you can't have none of that. And you then, of course, mean? you know the joke started to fly. It's like, well, what Meek Mill say? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's again like what and I. You know, I, I think we too often, and I'm probably guilty of this, you know, we romanticize the civil rights era as this, you know, we see these black and white pictures, which are black and white on purpose because a lot right. of those photos are could be easily colorized. Um, but we romanticize, I think, what we saw. Mm-hmm. And there's really not a ton. I take that back. There is a lot of information about actually what was going on behind the scenes, but that's not what's portrayed. It's. No, we all got together for the collective and we marched and we got beat, but we all did it because we love black people so much and, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I recognize that none of these things, you know, revolutions aren't neat. Right. None of these things are going to be perfect. I get that. But I also think this goes to some of the things we learned from the civil rights movement as it relates to being an anti-capitalist. You cannot have a movement or a struggle, or a revolution that involves capitalism. All right, so this is important, because, but I, but I want to talk about this. But in what Chica, and just to give everybody some perspective, she, she said, I had to divest from the Black Lives Matter celebrity group chat last yeah. summer because when I voiced disgust that they had allowed YG yeah. to turn a march and a vigil for Breonna Taylor into a concert music video, yes. and nobody, nobody wanted to admit it was wrong. I don't trust it, and I'm sorry. That's why I had to leave. And then she kind of walked back. But what, what, what I meant, but wait, 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 wait. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't mean that yep. part. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? And so, but I thought that was a really point, and that the twi- you know, black black Twitter went 
ham. They yes. went crazy. Yes. You know, they were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, who's, like you said, who's on this group chat? Who's on she, this Black Lives and, Matter celebrity? And then she started, it's like she kept talking herself into circles because she could, you know, she started saying, oh, well, you know, um, there was a person who was taking control of the discussion that I didn't feel like. I didn't feel comfortable. And then it let the speculation. People were like, is Jay-Z on this? Like, yes. It's like, just like, okay, well, what, are you going to say some names? Yeah, because who's on this chat that took control of the conversation yep. and made you uncomfortable mm-hmm. that they were inserting themselves in a leadership role in this particular thing. And I say all that to say that it made me think about, um, it made me think about the black, uh, excuse me. It made me think about Elaine Brown. Yeah, man. So there's yeah. a there is a, 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 a thing that Elaine Brown said, and I'm actually going to cue it up right now if you guys can hear it. So hold on. To terror, you know, hold on. We have to recognize is these police killings are not police killings. They are the entire United States government endorsing the murder of our people. Now, since nobody's trying to off the pig these days. I'm going to let that rest for a minute. Since ain't nobody trying to off the pig, don't even want to talk like that. We want to talk about police state, anti-terror, you know, police violence, off the pig. You know, that was a good statement that we made. Since ain't nobody offing no pigs these days, we are stuck with dealing with the existing scheme. So all the conversation about not dealing with the scheme is meaningless because we're not taking matters into our own hands. We are not delivering any consequences for any of this police violence. Here's this little girl, Breonna Taylor, in her bed, in her house. They walk in and kill her black while sleeping while black. And we're worried about this Negro Daniel, whatever his name is. I don't try to remember names of pigs. They're interchangeable. Um, here we are. She's talking about let's replace him. Well, what do we do in Ferguson after after Michael Brown was killed? The cracker. And I like to say these words, who was a pig, a former cop, a Republican, remained the mayor and was reelected in a city that has 67 percent black in it. Now, we're not organizing if that's what's going on. So let's get it straight. All these people that broke that made their bones on Ferguson. Ferguson ended up with a white boy who had been the mayor before, denounced the movement, got reelected with 67% black in a city that only had 21,000 people in it. So we're talking about charging a rogue cop as if one cop is different. What black cops have been jumping up and down talking about, hey, this white boy can't kill our people. They've been standing behind the blue line. So where is our delivery of a consequence? Where is our action other than waiting two years of marching in Ferguson to sit there and tell ourselves that we did a good job. And now you have some negress, just like the woman that's the, what is she, the mayor of Chicago, Laurie Lightfoot, and she's all into gender identity and sexual identity, and she didn't call the National Guard. Somebody said. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to. Elaine Brown, man. And for those who, Elaine Brown, is an ex Panther. She, um, you know, she still lives in Oakland. Um, she was a, she was, she doesn't get the same love as U.P. Newton and she Elder was the chairwoman at one. Point. She was the chairwoman. Yeah, man. You know, and Lane is like about it. She's as you can oh tell. Gosh, she's I, and as a matter of fact, it's, it's about time for my <laughs> annual reread of her autobiography. Yeah, she's really good. But did she say anything wrong or bad? Is my question. She didn't say anything. She didn't say anything wrong. 
what I want, I pointed out Elaine Brown though, because in that particular segment, I didn't play it. Um, she talks about the inability to be a activist and rich. You have to give your life to this thing. You know, you can't, you cannot monetize off the struggle because as we, I've talked about in my past podcast, a lot of the Black Panther Party, they were broke. They were destitute. You know, a lot of civil rights, they were broke. They were destitute. Yep. Like, so she comes from that era where she was like, I was a part of something that really impacted the world. May not have done what it was supposed to do because we know how the Black Panther Party yeah. turned out. And then she talks about how there was rampant sexism within that organization and things. Very about, much so. Yeah. So, but she's a part of, she's come from that place. Like, and she's probably sees, you know, she intimated a little bit. Like we, people made their bones off of Ferguson. Yeah. You know, and she's not lying. And she's like, where, you know, where are we now? Because all this stuff is like performative. All this stuff is happening and nothing really, nothing changed. So then when you have people like Chica bringing in, like there was a celebrity group chat. You have people like um, YG who wanted to make a, a music video at the, at the Breonna Taylor March. You have people like Little Baby, who's at the Grammys, owned yeah. by Viacom. And I shout out to Viacom because I just had an interview with uh, Aziza Bowser, <laughs> who was so gracious to, to bless us with the presence. And if, yeah. Viacom, and if Viacom ever wants to come on, we would, we, bring it on, we, right? Welcome. welcome. So anyway, but you know, uh, CBS programming, when they're doing this uh, particular show uh, called the Grammys, that's, you know, most people who watch the Grammys are not activists. Yes. Right? And so it's like, who are you performing this for? Like, what does this happen? And what is the, what is the end result of this performance? And maybe we're being too hard. But I don't it think we are, But man. it speaks to a larger thing of commodity of our movement. Like, what you know, commo- yeah. the commodity of it. Like, yeah. you know, like, you know, and then you had uh, Tamika Mallory, who I, I stated, you know, people have are not a big fan of her. I remember she was on a T.I. album. And the reason I'm going to get back to T.I. She was doing a speech on, uh, at, on a... Oh, I think I'm aware. The last album yeah. is, is, is Libra. I think it was a... Oh, yeah, Libra Scale. Libra Scale, or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, like, I was like, all right, T.I. taking this shit too far. <laughs> I was like, T.I. really do, does believe. Yeah, man. He's an activist. He really does. And then I was like... Something didn't sit right with me with Tamika. Like, why are you on a dang track? Oh you on an album. That's what I'm like. I, I going back to your. This is all performative. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, it really is. I, I, I recognize and I understand that a lot of us think that we are doing something to, you know, so called push the culture for for lack of a better term. But back to Elaine's point, you know, when she's saying off the pig, I don't, you know, she's not telling anybody to go around and start killing cops. That's not what I got from it. No. However, what she said was there's no consequence for the state murdering black people. Right. And so there's there's no fear as to what is what's the retaliation because we don't have anything to retaliate with. It's even when when they were in Ferguson and, you know, they were shooting rubber bullets and the tear gas and all of that. And, you know, I, I kept like, you know, the tear gas is supposed to be against the Geneva Convention and all of this. And I'm like, well, this is the United States. The United States does whatever the hell they want to do. And they will continue to do so. When they told us, OK, just sit back and chill. Just wait until the verdict comes and chill. Yeah. And they did. Right. And since Mike Brown, there's been countless others who have not been 
and it's the same cycle. So even with this cat, I don't. I'm like Elaine. I don't care about the cop's name who killed George Floyd. And she was talking about the Attorney General Daniel. They, Cameron, yeah, yeah, Daniel yeah, yeah. that that guy. But I, I, I don't like what. Okay, so if if he doesn't get off, what are we gonna do? Like, if he gets off, what are we gonna do? So, so that's her point, right? And so yeah. she says, like, you know, we're doing all this stuff, and nothing's being done. Nothing's nothing mo- at all. Nothing's it's being done, and so you have anything. you have on that end, and then you have celebrities, you know, who are commodity, you know, making a yes. uh, making money uh, off making, of all of this, making money off of it, and then you have people like Samira, you know, right, yeah, right, who was like, "Where's the money going?" Because we there's it's not it's not trickling down into the, into communities. If you're asking me, okay, you Kamar, you bring up these points. What are you looking for? It'd be a, th- a point to where I'm like, all right, raise the money, but put it back into the very community. There so, was a, there was a, uh, um, we and you joked in our group chat this summer. They had a flyer for a barbecue rally for Brianna Taylor. Brianna Khan. Brianna Khan. That was real. That was real. That was real. And Tamika Mallory was all over that. Yeah, and we were like. WTF. What are you doing? <laughs> like, what? what are you doing? Right, right. This woman was murdered in her bed, and yeah. now all of a sudden we're having Brianna Khan? Brianna Khan. It was so weird. And I thought to my, and then, it, you know, the whole pushback, like, well, Brianna Taylor's family signed off on it. And then, like, in my mind, all right, here's, here's where I'm at. A traumatic experience happens to your family. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. There are people in that family who are dealing with that, and... This is all new to them. They don't know what to expect. So, like, okay, more exposure means more money. Of course, they're gonna sign up. Sign up on yeah. that. Like, okay, you're gonna give us more money to get the word out, and you know, it's gonna go to activism. They're not gonna say no. You know what I mean? So, where? So, who is the caretaker for these people and for the movement? Oh, that's a good word. That's a good word. Who is the caretaker? Who are the caretakers? And I think when we have folks like Elaine Brown, who was who was about it back in the day? Right. Like, was we don't have any of that? Or at least I I haven't seen anybody because you have folks like you know Killer Mike who will rap about what he what he thinks we should do when it comes to police brutality and all this other stuff. And then when they had when black people start wilding in Atlanta, he's yeah. on TV like, hey man, y'all need to go home, man. Like this ain't mm-hmm. no, nah, bro. They've been listening to your lyrics, cause mm-hmm. so okay now that. What you've been rapping about is coming to life. You're telling him to back off because he's like, well, I ain't want nobody to get hurt. Movements and revolutions are not neat, man. Mm-hmm. They are not. And not. It's not a tidy little thing. It's not. Right. It's not. And so when we've been told that we should listen to these people or these individuals, and not only that, we've been told that so many of them are smart. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think for us as a society, just in general, whenever we are told that someone is smarter, is intelligent, that's who they are. And it's, okay, we need to listen to them because obviously they have the smarts to be in charge. No. So it's this whole thing, right? We I, Everything, I'm landing the plane, ladies and gentlemen, because <laughs> this is how we get to it. Yep. I took off and you're like, where's Kamar taking it? Hey, yep. The concept and the, the idea of celebrity that America has become infatuated with in the last 20, 30 years, as we saw in 2016 electing a celebrity president. 
we have pushed celebrities to the f uh, forefront of our society to be, um, I guess, spokespeople, spokespeople of our truth, yes, arbiters of yeah. of activism. It's been to our detriment, and it's been to our detriment. People who are not, they don't do the reading, they don't do the work, they don't do the study, they don't, they don't do anything outside of the fact that they have a name. Yeah, and when it's time to really move the needle on stuff, we're looking to them. Like, how come, how come Jay-Z's not saying something? How come, you know... I don't want you to, what, baby. You yes. know what I mean? Like, yo. Absolutely. Yo, we need you. We need Killer Mike. Like, Breonna Taylor had a... Um, she had a memorial in Louisville, and I saw celebrities at the at the funeral. Bruh. And I was like, that's just a weird thing um, to me. It, it's, it was just weird. Like, it was just really like... It's really odd. It's really odd that... And, and I, I want to go back to your point about Jay-Z real quick. Is I saw, I guess him and Beyonce went to the Grammys, yeah. and he had the Florida boy dread hairstyle. Yeah. And someone said, uh, "I'm so glad Jay Z wore that to the Grammys because now he's making that hairstyle acceptable in corporate America." No, he's not. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, number one, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yes, no, he isn't. But number two, if this was 20 years ago, when Jay Z was still trying to break into those spaces. He would have had the hairstyle. It's true. He wouldn't have. That's yeah. not who Jay-Z is. Jay-Z yeah. isn't a table shaker. Yeah. That's not him. He's comfortable now. Yeah. And it's it's the same when when Well, to the point where they would say, Oh, Russell Simmons wears he wears um sneakers and jumpsuits yeah. into, oh my gosh, uh, uh, into the into yeah, the board into room. The boardroom, and he's man. making things comfortable. And I was like, no, Russell Simmons is Part of a class now to where yes. they don't care what he wears. They do not. <laughs> Russell <laughs> Simmons ain't answering the phone at Bank of America customer service. Yeah, like he can wear whatever the fuck he wants. Absolutely. Because they're going to take his call. <laughs> you know what I mean? Russell Simmons can be accused of rape by multiple women and move to a totally different country. Which he has. Yes. <laughs> and it's like everybody's like, well, and, they're doing Russell wrong. Like, and he can still take, and they will still take his call. Yes. You know, and so. You know, I mean, uh, Jay Z can wear his hair however he wants. He's in a like you said, different class, man. He's because he's going to. They and they all are class traders. Every single one of them, because you cannot tell me. And I'll use two celebrities. One is Colin Kaepernick, and I, you and I've had discussions about him over the years, basically, because it's been a while now. About okay, like what's your end game now? Like, are you an activist or are you trying to get back into the NFL? Which it was, he, I don't think he knew. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think he knew. I don't think he knew. He's been trained his whole life. This is what you are supposed to be doing, and the NFL is where you are supposed to be. And now you start to read. When I saw that he had red blood in my eyes, I said, oh, okay. Like, he's going on a different path. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw he had the, uh, when he was at training camp, and he had the, uh, the socks with the uh, cops as pigs, and yeah, I said, yeah. Yeah, that, that brother, he's he's been doing a lot of reading. Mm -hmm. And Jay-Z comes along and says, we're past kneeling now. Yeah. Are we? Yeah. And then six months later, Breonna Taylor's shot up and... Are you know, we past kneeling? George, is Floyd, it, George Floyd's neck. Was yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're past Actually, kneeling no, now. Actually, no, it was six, like six weeks later because Breonna Taylor... Yeah. 
It, it was recent. Yeah. It like was, after he made those statements, it's yeah. like, okay, we are, or is it just you just got the contract? So yeah. now, same thing with title. Title, he's, you know, we, I'm, I'm giving these artists a chance and this oh, is black God. empowerment and all this. And then you sell it to the cat who owns Twitter. So, God, there's so much to unpack with that. All right. <laughs> the, listen, I, I was, okay. All performative, though. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay. T- the title conversation, I promise you, we're going to have that. I just want to stay in the pocket here about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. About, yeah. Celebrities. Okay. Where we have in this society, we mentioned Martin Luther King and we mentioned Malcolm X. Yes. And can we have a place in the 2021, 21st century, mm-hmm. where we can have, you know, people who are activists who will be celebrity, you know, celebritized, if that's a word, right? Mm-hmm. Um, get notoriety for their work. And still be able to be effective. Can uh, that can that happen? Yes. And I'll give you the one celebrity who I see is making and this is no name. Oh, yeah. No name is a yeah. She's still learning and she will tell you that. Mm-hmm. However, she even says she's like, I stopped selling no name merch because I'm an anti-capitalist and I don't want to make money off of it. So you know what I did? I changed the merch to her book club and she gives it all back to the community. She mentioned, she criticized something like, like, you know, No Name is one of those, you know, she's a rapper. She's like, a, she's not that great of her. She's okay. She's all right. Yeah. Like, yeah. she's not anything special, so to speak. Yeah. But just to show the growth that she had, her, real, her initial name was No Name Gypsy. And then they're like, yo, that gypsy is. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, okay. And then she was talking about capitalism. And all these people were like, you need to read and do all this. She was like, okay. Right, she right. started reading. And she's like, yeah, you guys were right. I can't remember what it was that she criticized, but it was like last week. And then she put out, before the criticism started, she used her own money to buy this space. I think it's in Chicago. But it's where she's going to run a book club out of. It's a community space. You can come and get free food. She's giving away free supplies. And this is all with her own money. And I'm thinking that's what... We should be striving for, I think, from our so-called celebrity leaders. Is, is that, that sustainable, though? I, it can be. Is it sustainable? It can. How? It, so how can you, I, I think we can go back. Not necessarily a model, but you have enough celebrities like a Jay Z. If they are willing to write a check in hush, mm-hmm. I think it absolutely is. And I and honestly, I think his wife does that a lot. That she writes checks to organizations and never says anything. I think that's perfectly fine. And J- so Jay Z does that, right? He does. probably so. He, d- yes. he writes a lot of checks. And th- okay, I mean, you've, well, heard, you've heard stories from other people. Yes, because he doesn't put out press releases, right? You've heard right. stories from other people where he's like, "Oh, Jay Z was doing this. Jay Z did this. Jay Z bailed so and so out of jail." Oh, I think that's great. Right. Okay, just hush now. All right. We just need you to be quiet. All right. So, with that being said, because I know you have your thoughts on Jay. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And so one of my favorite rappers, but good God. Yeah, you're not a fan of his him personally. Yeah. The marrying of that, though, because how can you you don't like his capitalistic tendencies? No, but you actually appreciate when he uses the monetary gain that he's accumulated in his life yep. to help. Yep. So how can you hate somebody for doing the very thing that you benefit from? Because I don't think he has a politic, if that makes sense. So Jay-Z has made a ton of money. Off rapping and you know whatever business deals whatever you want to call it, we have no. I have no choice but to participate in capitalism. I don't have a choice. You know what I'm saying? Unless I move to Cuba, 
or I can't even say China because China. I have to move to a different country. China is not a. It's not a um, capitalist. It's not a, excuse me communist society. It's an autocracy. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to move to a a country that does not participate. It's just it's just extremely difficult. So like you and I have no choice. Yeah. Even if we didn't want to, we have to. But I'm not of the like you don't believe in capitalism, but you still got an iPhone. Like okay, that's stupid. Number one, I have to work to provide for my people, and this is the way. That our democracy is set up. So the problem that I have with Jay-Z and other celebrities of his ilk, including Killer Mike and including T.I., is that there isn't a belief in any type of freedom or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Freedom or it's not revolution, but like there's no belief in any of that. It's the belief that we get free or we liberation. Yeah. We get liberated by making more money because we can provide more opportunity to our people by bringing them back up. And I can't help the hood if I'm one of them, so I get rich and good. I hate that line. And I gave back. That's the one. God, I hate that line, man. And because it's not true, number one, you can help the poor if you are one of them. Yeah. You know how many people around here are poor that are still assisting and activists and are effective? But there's many other ways, and I'm just being—I hate the word "devil's advocate," but I'm I get what you're saying. There's though. other ways, though, to be. There are other ways that you can be active. There are other yeah. ways that you can be helpful. My thought: and Why does poverty have to be the one way in order to? It doesn't le- have to legitimize be. your activism. Correct. It absolutely doesn't have to be. The issue that I have is that if you are someone like Jay Z or some of the other celebrities we've talked about. You cannot believe in freedom or liberation of black people by hoarding wealth. You cannot. It's impossible. You cannot. If Kamara, if, if Kamara lived in a $50 million home and was sitting on $5 billion, mm-hmm. and every year you give away $100 million of your wealth, a ton of people would be like, you see how much money he's giving away? Mm-hmm. Do you see the percentage of his wealth that he's giving away? That's not enough. It's not. It's not enough to make the type of impact that we need. Okay. And through capitalism and through the hoarding of wealth and through this praise of billionaires, like it has completely thrown us off our circle. Okay. But here's here's the statement. If we know we operate in a capitalistic society. Yes. And we know that in order to really move the needle on things, you need monetary sustenance mm-hmm. to do it. Doesn't it not make sense that somebody who may believe in your movement to actually accumulate? Because somebody's going to accumulate the wealth. Somebody's yes. going to accumulate the resources as far as monetization. Yes. Why not it be somebody that is more likelihood to actually invest in? More likelihood. There's not a guarantee. That's a terrible phrasing, more so, likelihood. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it's the truth, though. Yeah. Because I think that's what we believe in is that it, it's the same thought process of if we put black people in higher places or whatever. Like, there's a higher percentage or chance that they are going to look better upon other black people and bring them up with them. That generally doesn't happen because we don't control those spaces. We're just a face basically in a place and then they'll move on as quickly as they brought you in. Right. Right. So when we talk about the, again, going back to the accumulation of wealth, that's not healthy. Look, Kwame Toure, who used to be Stokely Carmichael, Mm -hmm. he said that you cannot believe in anti-racism and capitalism at the same time. It does not work. Mm. Because the struggle, like there ha- with capitalism, somebody has to struggle. Yeah. There has to be poverty. There has to be mass death. Yeah. We're going through it right now. Yeah. Where we place in this pandemic the accumulation of wealth 
over the lives of just regular everyday folk. And we've had, what, 500,000 people to die? All because, like, we have a governor now that's talking about we didn't lock down and look how well we're doing. He's going to get reelected, by the way. He absolutely is going to get reelected. Yeah. So if we know that traditionally and historically that capitalism was, you can say it was, you know, created or born out of the depth of, of slavery or whatever. If that is connected to our struggle as a people, then you cannot tell me that the accumulation of wealth is going to lead to our liberation. It's impossible. So when you have someone like Jay-Z and Oprah and Tyler Perry, where we give them praise because he's opened a studio, we're doing this in a space that was not created for us to thrive. So when there's one or two people that get up to that point and then we go to them to say, um, you know, well, like Tyler Perry, um, he did something recently that was uh, that he got praised for. I can't remember he, what it was. Meghan Markle, he provided to her. Yeah, space. yeah, provided their security. And they're like, look at that. A black man had to take care of it. So I'm like, excuse me? You mean to tell me that a black woman in Meghan Markle and a white British royal had to go to Tyler Perry, a black man, for security and for any... She was like, no, we didn't ask for it. He offered it. Okay, so Tyler Perry can offer security and space for two people who have their own money. Because my man Harry said, yeah, my mom left us enough. Is that security and space being offered to regular everyday folk Mm. to allow them to move toward the liberation of black people? Mm. I don't think it is. All right, so the concept, though, of that's more or less of aligning of... Aligning the celebrity, right? Or, yeah. or is, excuse me, that sounds terrible. What I said, we have this concept in society of wanting to align celebrities want to align themselves to other celebrities. Correct, and it's it's helps them with their profile. They're also know, in the same class. They're level. in the same class level, yeah. and it's like you know. So, what does it benefit somebody to align themselves and open up their house to activists? In California, because that doesn't. That there you go. It doesn't that, do anything. That's that. There right? you go. And so, then the same reason why uh, aligning yourself with another celebrity boosts your profile, because that that was great press for Tyler Perry. Absolutely. You know, and like so, on the lower level, Tamika Mowry, she aligns herself with certain black celebrities because it, it increased her profile, especially in the last five years. Yes. Her profile has very much so skyrocketed. She's probably made a lot of money too. Right. Um. I, and I'm not pocket watch. I don't know what she's made, but according to Samira Rice, Samira Rice, she's uh, she's made some money. Yeah. Um, Samira Rice made an interesting concept because it, these celebrities they align themselves up to the movements. Yeah. But they don't align themselves to the actual charge of the movement, right? And so I'm gonna say this: she was critical of Michelle Obama and Barack Obama. Yeah. That's my favorite pastime. I know, man. I know. <laughs> He's getting his golf swing in. He's getting, he's getting a tee off. <laughs> so, um, you know, he's very, she was very critical. She said, you know, Barack Obama, he's, you know, and she said, I, I know people want to get mad at Trump, but my son's case was sitting in the DOJ for like five years and ain't nothing happened. Nothing happened with it. And he said, you know, I'm all glad that. Michelle Obama mentioned me in her podcast. Mentioned my son in her podcast. In her book. In her book. Never reached out. Never. I've never gotten a phone call. Never. And so it's that thing of, oof, 
<laughs> like aligning yourselves mm -hmm. up to the movement. Yes. Because it helps it helps propagate you. Mm -hmm. Right. But to what extent? Right. Because you're not opening, quote unquote, your your house. You know what I mean? To, to these very people. Yeah. But you will open your mouth. You mean to tell me that all of these mothers of the movement. Yeah. Not a single one should be struggling. Yeah. Not a single one. There's not a single mother who has lost a child due to gun violence or due to police brutality that's been propped up on a pedestal for us to marvel at their strength. None of those women should struggle. So, two years ago, Sabrina Fulton ran for... Yes. No, it was last year. Last year. Yes. It's, it's, Tell it's, me about it. It's <laughs> yeah. And I remember, you know, as, as being political junkies, we were looking at her finances, her fundraising. Yep. And we're like, yo, why is she struggling fundraising? Yes. Like, why is she not bringing any money? Anybody else would have her name ID. She'd be able to, like, be killing the competition. She would run for, she's running for council. Yes. She wasn't even running for, like, congressperson. Like, county commission. Not even yeah. a, yeah. Yeah. In Miami Gardens, I think, of all places. Right. Yeah. That should have been a landslide. Yeah. And she, I think she didn't. She didn't win. I will say that she did start to raise more money because I think Hillary Clinton came out for her and then some other celebrities. But I think that's after she changed campaign managers. Yeah. But it shouldn't even have taken it that. It shouldn't have. It, right. They should have seen Sabrina's name and been like, what you need? Right. Tell us what you need, what you're looking to do. How can we support and it? And she ended up losing because it, she got out the gate too late. As far as. Yeah, very much so. It was by the time the, the momentum started, yeah. the momentuma. Shout out. Momentum. The momentum. <laughs> Shout out to, the, by the time the momentum actually got to her, her campaign, it was just too late. Yeah. I, I'm just, you know, for all of these, you know, individuals and celebrities and folks with, you know, so-called money, mm -hmm. I just don't, here's an example I'll give is that I was helping, there was a, there was an incident here that happened a couple years ago with a child and I ended up helping the family with uh, some of the PR. And I remember we got a call from a celebrity and a celebrity or uh, we got a call from a celebrity through somebody else. Yeah. And they're like, hey, uh, this celebrity wants to help. Uh, can they meet the mom? And the mom was at a point. She's like, it's just too much happening right now. There are people calling every day. There are reporters knocking on my door. Um, can we have a phone conversation? And then maybe down the road we can meet. And the person said, um, I'll take it back to this, you know, celebrity, but uh, generally when we do these things, uh, there's nobody else around and it's always just the celebrity and that person. Yeah. Um, but it has to be, you know, a person because they want to provide a blessing. And I said, I mean, that's all well and good, but I'm just telling you what the, what the parent wants. The parent doesn't want that. Okay. He's just going to move on. Okay. So, in your haste to help, you just want to be a blessing. Yeah. But because you could not get a personal audience with this person. Yeah. Then you and I'm like, she just said, hey, can we have a conversation first? Yeah. And they were like, no, we good. Just like that. OK. And I knew exactly who the celebrity was. And I cannot say that it was the celebrity's fault because it was coming through a third party. You can tell me offline. Yes, <laughs> I will. But it just. It like it's that type of behavior that lets me know like a lot of these celebrities, man, you're not interested in any type of free. If if, if we are so we quote Fred Hampton every year, we quote Malcolm X, we quote Martin Luther King, like we quote all Ella Baker and 
Ida B. Wells, like we quote all these people. We say that we read their works and then we read it. And you, this is what you get from it? Yeah. Like, no, but you mean to tell me you've read all of this text and you can quote all of these folks and you say you're for freedom and liberation of black people, but you don't put anything that they taught into practice. So there's a, um, in a metaphysical sense, theological sense, it brings me back to Christ's teachings of, you know, he takes a pebble out the water. Uh, yeah. And he says, you see, you know, it's just like this pebble, you know, is surrounded by Christianity, but it hasn't penetrated in inside. Mm-hmm. And basically, don't, you don't want to be like that. So we are surrounded by all this black liberation, you know, surrounded by the quotes and the books and the materials, but it doesn't really penetrate the soul, doesn't graph on. And then you get to a place to where Elaine Brown's looking at everything around and like, what does it all mean? Like, none of this matters. Nobody's, nothing's changing. And the only critical portion I have about it, and I know you, where your stance is on it, can you really have liberation in a system that's designed no. for you to fail? You cannot. So she's, in one end, she's telling people like, you know, this guy got elected. Yeah. You know, and, and but it's like, wait a minute. You, you can't have two, can't have it two ways. Because you can't say... We need to elect people to office to change the system. Yeah. And yet you don't believe in the system. I, you know what? You know what I mean? Like, been, I agree with you because I, I, I remember Elaine Brown ran for office at one point. Right. And I remember when Jerry Brown was the uh, governor of California the first time, mm-hmm. like she talks about that part of her autobiography about, you know, just some of the, the struggles and some of the, um, I want to say partnerships, but some of the, you know, you know how politics works, man. There's a give and a take. Yeah. I do not think that you can believe in this system and work not to burn it to the ground. Mm. I, I just don't. And I am someone who works daily. I know. I know you're who you work for. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in electoral politics. Yeah. And I recognize that there is a lot of good that comes from it, mm-hmm. but I also recognize this is not the way that, I believe when I first got into it that this was a way for us to achieve some sort of freedom. It's impossible. So this goes into another form of performative activism. Yep. People who use the movement to run for office get inside, the, get in office, and they're not really doing anything. Yes. You know, they we got plenty of them. They run on a platform of activism. Yes. And they got the fist in the air and all this other stuff. Yeah. And then when you get in, you ain't seen them not a near nutter. Like they're not around. They don't. Man, they don't get in. They're not in the community. You know, you, you know this better than I do. We're surrounded by we're him. Surrounded. We're literally surrounded by him. I'm we're literally surrounded by him, man. We. Yeah. And I'll, I'll even take this a step further. Um, AOC, probably one of the most popular politicians in the United States right now. Probably around the world too. Probably yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think part of her shtick is performative. It is. And don't get me wrong. I think that she loves her district. I think that she does work hard for her district. But I also think that as an American, and I think we're all guilty of this, is you cannot tell me that you will sit here and say, we got to fight against police brutality. It's wrong. We shouldn't be murdering people on the street. That's not the state's job. And then you call for the either ouster or removal of another world leader in another country or you say, I think we probably should be bombing that country. That, to me, lets me know that your politics and your political thought hasn't matured enough to where it's more holistic. 
Because, I mean, to, to for me, part of my foundation was built out of reading some of the texts from the Black Panther Party, Martin Luther King. I know a lot of, I know a lot of all the people that we've talked about are mainstream. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I cannot read that stuff. And to your point, it not penetrate me and believe that it's a global struggle for black folk, man. It's not just America. Yeah. It's the global South. Like it's it's the entire continent. Of like we are living in a space and a time to where we are perfectly fine with telling a president or being okay with the president going to bomb another country that's littered, littered is not the right word, filled with either black people or people of color. And I know that people of color isn't necessarily a popular phrase anymore, popular phrase anymore. But the these people talked about the global liberation of black people, man. Like Malcolm X was hanging out with Fidel Castro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you believe I got a I got a, a shirt at the crib, man, of um uh Thomas St. Carl. Like all of these people believed in global struggle, not just an American struggle. And I know that and I'm guilty of this too, that you know, we, we get so caught up in what we have going on here. Then we're not looking at the consequences of what's going on on the other side of the planet or even another country. It's very myopic view in America. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. And so part of my criticism, and won't stay here too long, part of my criticism of, of how we treat Obama is that Obama bombed the hell out of Muslim countries. Mm-hmm. And it was a bunch of black Muslims that he killed. And it's like, well, you know, that's part of the job. You got to do what you got to do. Okay. But that doesn't mean you got to support it. Just because he did it and told you it was it was right and okay doesn't mean that it was cool. So, again, shout out to KamaraWilliams.com. Please go to my blog because I'm gonna <laughs> go. I'm gonna reference this right now. And if you haven't read this um, article, I've talked about it in my Pepe Le Pew and you know about and coming to America article. Yeah, uh, you should go ahead and check that out. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I talked about the inability for us to have uncomfortable uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And when you, once you get into that range of criticizing something that is beloved, you become a hater. Oh, gosh, man. You know? Don't I know it. Yeah. And so, you I know. Mean, I am a certified hater, but. You are. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's all right. We love you all the same. Um, so one of the things I think about Barack Obama is that we failed him. When he, he, we failed him in the regard that. We we weren't critical with him because we were so afraid, and we know he had to deal with a lot. Yeah, absolutely. We understand how he had to deal with a lot. Yes, we understand that he, um, the the trappings of his job required him to uphold a certain level of a, the American supremacy, mm-hmm. you know, and the imperialism that he's just not going to topple. Nobody's going to do that Correct. as a president. You can't go in there thinking you're going you're gonna to topple. You can't be a president and think you're going to be topple uh, imperialism. Yes. That's not the, what the job calls for. Yep. At some point, you got to keep the ship running. Yes. You know, the show must go on. And that's what he wanted. Right. Yeah. But we lack the fervent criticism on his plate that we gave to Trump, his, his successor. We, were, we critiqued the hell out of Trump everything he did. You know, and we're, we're, rightfully so. We're right back there with Biden, though. We'll get there. Yeah. You know, um, rightfully so, because Trump did a lot of fucked up things. Absolutely. You know, and he's a, he's just a fucked up person in general. He's just he's not a good human being. Nope. You know, but 
at the same token, we left a lot of that criticism we could have been driving at Barack Obama's plate. Yeah. Especially for the liberation of black people. Yes. You know, things that we could have done. And he got off the hook. He went eight years without really getting dented. And I think his dent came during the 2016 election when people decided not to show up to protect his legacy. That's I cannot tell you how that made my blood boil when I heard him and his wife, you show up to protect his legacy. His legacy? Yeah. And so I remember I was talking with a, I was in a group chat with some bros, mm-hmm. and it was, a, it was a generational shift. They, that comment came out because he, he was at a dinner. Yeah. And it was a very, very much aristocratic dinner. Oh, gosh. Because he, had, he had the tuxedo on and everything like that. And it was in front of the Urban League, right? Or, and it was an NAACP dinner. Mm-hmm. It was an NAACP dinner, yeah. And he talked about, I need you to come out there and protect my le- legacies. Now, somebody who was in that crowd in D.C., they were in our group chat. They were like, I was in the crowd, and it played well. People were roaring and cheering. I'm and, sure. And I remember people in the group chat was like, well, yeah, because... Y'all are part of the same class. <laughs> right. yeah, yep. yeah. Yes. <laughs> he said, yes. you know, and that's when the anvil dropped. In that group chat, imagine being in a group chat full of alphas. It was a bunch of alphas. And everybody, it was like, everybody started oh, chiming yeah, in. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was a, it still was one of my favorite group chats. It was so funny. <laughs> it was about of like a hundred group alphas. And we, yeah. that thing was live, <laughs> you know, and it was a generational divide. One general was like, well, I didn't take offense to what he said and yeah. we got to protect. And then one was like, Hey man, what person just came out? I said, man, man, fuck Obama. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a young person who just, it was like someone who was like 20 something. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I don't have the same appeal the way, or I don't have the same, you know, I'm not grafted onto his legacy the way it was like that, that two or two ends of the spectrum. And I, I thought I didn't, I didn't, you know, participate. I was just yeah. eating the popcorn. Yeah, yeah. Was, at that point, nothing's gonna get solved. You know, there's no, no bit of people. yeah, man. You know, there's yeah. no bit of me talking. That's just entertainment at that. At point. that point, it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. I just was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad yeah. I didn't turn my phone off. Uh, right, right. Notifications off, right? But I thought it was very interesting because you, there was a clear generational divide in that conversation about what Obama represented and the inability to criticize them because both sides can't be right or both sides could be right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Or both sides could be wrong. And there's probably some, there's some truth in, in, the, in the, middle. the middle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're not going to get to that because we had, and this group chat is not the time or place to be having this conversation. It's impossible. Man. Right. With the election happening in seven weeks. It's impossible. That's kind of where my head was at. I yeah. was like, I understand that side. Oh, that was a good point. Oh, that was a great point. Yep. Oh yeah. You know? And so, but I was like, this is probably not the best time yeah. to be having yeah. this conversation because we literally have an election come up in like seven, six to seven weeks. You know, and I, part of, part of Obama's, you know, my criticism of him is that I think he weaponized it. Like he knew, he knew black people had his back. hundred grand. Like, he knew it. And he did things of that nature, especially, you know, as he was getting close to leaving office, where you got to protect my legacy. Mm-hmm. You ain't protect us. Well, and I will say this. I, for those who want to know, I, I do love what the Obamas represented. Yeah. So, I'm just, but we're having a very genuine conversation. Yes. And there's a conversation of, 
and we probably can't get into it because that's a whole nother podcast. But dissecting, and we still we don't even have the ability right now to really dissect his legacy because it's still a little bit too close to people. Yeah, it's still like, and honestly, it's still kind of being built. To it's, be, yeah. it's being built, and hence with the Biden being elected, right? So we still don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Context, we haven't really proper put in proper context. Yeah, what his legacy really meant outside of the, you know imagery of what he what he represented um but uh, this election was very much so in 2020 very much going back to a peacefulness of democracy which he represented well which he represented well and biden was a caretaker of that we use the word caretaker caretaker again so biden understood that and he's like and a lot of people who voted for biden were like i want i want to go back to that time Mm -hmm. you know of peace I want to go back to the time where our president wasn't laughed out of the room by other world leaders. I can't tell you how many tweets I've seen. Like, oh, you know what? I don't have to worry about what the president tweeted today or what he said today. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I recognize the peacefulness in having that peace. Yeah. I do. But I also know that's how we get in trouble. Well, and it's weird because I don't, I haven't, I didn't follow Trump on Twitter anyway. I didn't either. Right. I honestly, I had him blocked. Yeah. I only saw Trump's twi- tweets. By other retweets. Yeah. I blocked him as well. Yeah. Um, the thing about it is, I haven't thought one thing about Biden's tweets, to your point. I haven't thought about anything. I still follow the administration. I still follow, obviously, because I'm a political nerd. Yeah. But I never, it never occurred to me even to follow Biden's tweets. Same. I've never, like, thought about, and even now I'm on Twitter, I was like, I don't, I don't have him added. Now to think about it, I might have Biden blocked too. Jesus Christ. No, it's it's, it's <laughs> just because I, I I recognize that it doesn't matter who the president is, whether it's Trump or Biden or whomever. Yeah. Those things are propaganda machines, man. Uh, and I just don't <clears throat> want my thought process because we have enough people, man, that will retweet like I saw where um Kamala and Joe have a whoever runs their social media accounts. They take pictures and gifs and boomerangs of them just walking. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's become yeah. a thing now. Yeah, and it's like you know, yeah. walking into another week and we're doing this and blah blah blah. And I'm like, it's propaganda, cause like I don't want to see this. So that's why I have it. Again, doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. I just don't. I I don't follow. I think I might follow one politician on Twitter. And that's I, your that's your boss. No, he's not even on Twitter. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. well, I'll take that back. He is because I run the account. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I recognize your job basically is to save your job every four years, yeah. and you have to put out nothing but good news and good things that you are doing, so that people recognize that there's some activity coming from your office. Yeah, and for for so many policies, especially when it comes to the presidential account, I just don't. Like even his, uh, I, I can't remember her name. His his press secretary, Biden's press secretary. Yeah. Um, it's been a couple of weeks now, but she mentioned something during a press briefing. But it was it was it was a lie. It was a blatant lie. But she dressed it up so well, and I remember there were some people that were calling like, "Yo, that's a lie!" Like if that was Trump, y'all would have been all over it. But I'm like, she said it nicely though, mm-hmm. and honestly, her her phrasing, her sentence structure, it came across as if. It was very palatable. Mm. And I'm thinking, I wish that we recognize that a press secretary's job basically is the lie. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's to make the administration and your boss look good. Right. So if I was in that same position, yeah. I would be forced to twist my words as well to make it look good. So yeah. I don't want to see any of that, man. Like, yeah. I, my my timeline is curated to, a, you know, it's curated to the things that I want to ingest and digest. And I recognize that other people, if you want to see the president, that's okay. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. However, I wish we would recognize that these tools are used as a way to feed you rhetoric that isn't so, healthy. So I actually, um, I, I blocked Trump on Twitter, but I followed a lot of his acolytes. Yeah. And because I thought it was healthy for me to understand like, mm-hmm. what they were thinking, even if it was like as ludicrous and as some of as bigoted as possible. Yeah. I was like, I just want to know, mm-hmm. like, what is it that they're thinking? Because you have to know you know your enemy, right? Yeah. And the same with uh, Biden. I have a lot of pro Biden follower. I mean, I follow a lot of pro Biden people. So do I. But I also follow people who are not fans of him. Mm-hmm. I follow people who are not fans of him because of their right leaning political positions. Yeah. And I also follow people who are leftists and. Like, there's a, an account, I don't want to give no free pub here because you have to pay for that. <laughs> but uh, um, but it's, it's, it's pretty much like, a, it's a leftist Biden account. And mm-hmm. they, they hammer him every waking moment. Yep. They talk about, they talk bad about him. I mean, you would think, like, take out Biden, take out Trump, it's the same person. Like, they're not a... Is that my account you follow? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I might be ghost following you. <laughs> so, um, but I think it's healthy for me to understand that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but to that point, I, one day I was, they said something about migrant children, right? And I started going down a rabbit hole, as you tend to do, mm-hmm. of like, just it was several weeks ago. And I thought to myself, like, man, this was 45? This would be the lead story. Oh, my gosh. Right? But it's not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it was talked about, like, the press secretary, to your point, how... She just glossing over. She's not being truthful, you know. <laughs> and uh, we are just again. I I know what a press secretary's job is. Yeah, but I also recognize that we cannot become numb to the things that we are fed. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. Sometimes you read things and you see it and you just take it as truth without doing any research. I try not to do it often, but I recognize I, I probably do do it sometimes. Yeah. But our politics, our society, our, like it's, there are too many important things that are happening you know, simultaneously for us to get caught up in the rhetoric of the President of the United States. You know, it's the I go back to the fourteen hundred dollars versus the two thousand dollar debate. Yeah, where you had some people that were like, "No, he lied. He said two thousand. And, and, like, and they're like, "Where did he get that from?" It's like literally, he said it in his speech. Like, Roll that beautiful bean footage. He said it. Yeah. Two thousand dollars would go out the door, and then it was like, "No, I never said that. I just two thousand dollars. Yeah, that's that's the total of yeah." And I'm thinking, okay, I just want you to see how easy it was for folks to split. Is that right? You have people who are. Dying and struggling, and they said you you told them we're gonna get two thousand dollars, and then it flipped to fourteen hundred, and you're mad at the people who 
people just want the two thousand dollars. Right. We're not talking about a million bucks. Right. We're talking about money that the government, all the government has to do is open up a laptop, increase the number, and then you can get two thousand dollar checks. Right. And that would be extraordinarily helpful for a lot of people. But instead, we got caught up on this. No, fourteen hundred dollars. No, two thousand dollars. That that's too much. Like, excuse me. Right. And then not only that, you're saying, okay, well, we gave no. There's no we in this. Right. Trump gave us eighteen hundred dollars. You've given us nothing before the STEMI started to drop. So what is the difference? Like we're sitting over here arguing over semantics, but it's important because, again, $1,400 versus $2,000 could mean rent for a lot of people. And the thought is that, well, at least he gave $1,400 per child. Okay, well, what if I'm single and I live in a one-bedroom and my rent is $1,400? Okay, if you give me two thousand, guess what? Maybe I can pay some additional bills on top of that I because get, I can get groceries. Exactly. So we're arguing over things like that because we want to protect a president. Mm-hmm. Like, no, man, I'm not. No, 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 no. Like, in, in my job, I welcome for people. Man, I had this lady talk my ear off last week over an hour, cursing, talking about how bad my boss was and all of that. And I'm like, I appreciate it because honestly, I didn't know any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. We didn't know any of it. So I don't care how angry you are. I still need to know what it is. Whether you hate me or love me, I'm going to do my job and try to get what you're complaining about fixed. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you whether you want to do what. But that's that's not my job is not to ensure well, that is part of my job. But my job basically isn't to go out and get votes for my boss. Mm-hmm. My job is to take care of the residents that are in the district that he represents. Right. So when we get criticized or people are angry about something, tell me. Then let me go and fix it. Even if it's fixed, you can still like, well, I still don't. Okay, that's fine. But guess what? I still need to know what it is. So when we form this cocoon around presidents, Mm -hmm. a president of the United States needs to be protected at that level to where you have to call people like, no, you just don't like him because of X, Y, and Z. No, I want to survive, man. Right. And like, this is what we're arguing about. So- one can argue performative activism. Yes. That they ran with the idea of we got to get Biden in office. We got to get Ralph Warnock and John Ossoff in office because we're going to be able to run roughshod and get our stuff. We're going to yes. be pushing things out the door. Yes. The same way that, you know, Mitch McConnell and them did for the last eight years. In the Senate, right? Yep. Um, is that performative in a sense? Yes. Because they were playing off the idea of, I mean, especially with the idea they needed black folk to come out and vote. And I've said, I have said that they got to come and deliver because 2022 is coming right up. I think they're going to get rolled, man. I think they're going to get rolled. Because they have to start showing and proving. They got to really, and it's just not the STEMI. They got to really show yeah. that we doing because r- right now Republicans are run. They're they're controlling the narrative on certain things. Not on Always the STEMI. Do. Not on the Always STEMI though. Do. On the STEMI, they actually they've admitted that they dropped the ball on that. Yeah, because seventy one percent of Americans approved that, and they just are on the other side of that. But um, the performance the performance that they went through in two thousand twenty to get black black people to come out and vote, they're gonna have to show and prove with some actual policies. In place, not just sugar bumps. Straight up, straight up, right? Not just like, hey, you know, 
we 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 um the appointments and all that they're going to have to show some real legitimate policies and we are going to get exactly what we got with Obama and i think the vast majority of our society is probably okay with that mm. and to your point earlier about People want peace and tranquility, and they don't want to have to worry about what the president is going to do, and all of this. Like that's generally how it's been operating for a really long time. Is that you don't worry about what the president is going to tweet or say or piss off or um, make a racism, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That is so dangerous to me. Mm-hmm. I think that don't get me wrong. There's a danger in you know Trump's idea of. Uh, politics and governing but there is even more danger to me at least when you have folks like Obama and Clinton and even the first George W or George H.W. Bush because it lulls us into this sense of comfort thinking that everything is okay because we're not hearing about it or reading about it or seeing it Mm -hmm. then everything is trudging along just fine meanwhile the empire is crumbling all around you right I I think for, you know, for some black people, not all, um, you know, I, I saw, I think the guy, he used to be a linebacker, I think, for Texas, but he's hosting The Bachelor or something like that. But he mentioned that he tries to be the best example of what a black person, what a black man is supposed to be or is when he's out because he wants white people to have the best thought of what black people can be. And I'm like, that is sad, man. I don't. I just don't, I don't live my life or I don't dress the way I dress or act for the uh, acceptance of whiteness. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. Now, was there a time that I probably thought that I should be that way? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When I was in my early 20s and you're telling me that I'm trying to get a job in corporate America, so you need to dress uh, for the job that you want and all that other madness. Yeah, I absolutely believe that at one point. But I think that as you grow and mature and you read more, you reckon it doesn't matter what you do, man. It does not matter. I could be the cleanest cut brother around. Doesn't matter. I could still get taken out by the state. So in that idea of in that sense, because you mentioned Obama and yeah. Clinton, you're talking about the neoliberal classism. Yes. That they exist in. Right? Yes. And neoliberalism for those is like is a concept of is is a protectionist of a capitalistic ideal, not not the eliminating of capitalism, but the reg. De- oh, absolutely not. It's anything. It's, it's, it's just reg- It's just regulating it and curtailing it to something that's more advantageous to their appeal. Yeah, and private privatization is included in that. And you know, we, you know, neoliberalism basically has been around forever. It's it's like uh, intersectionality. You know, that concept has been around forever, but it's been bastardized. Mm-hmm. By a lot of people. And we, I think when we have a critique of our society and of our politics, then again, I think if you are black, I think there has to be some type of anti-capitalism criticism embedded in that foundation. Mm -hmm. Because if you, I just go back, if you listen and you allow for those words of our ancestors to penetrate, then there has to be a recognition that all of us aren't going to be Jay-Z. All of us aren't going to be Tyler Perry. We're not going to all be billionaires or millionaires. The vast majority of us, honestly, are... Never going to see a million dollars. Never in our lifetime. Not cumulatively. Yeah. Not at one time. No. That's okay, though. Mm-hmm. 
that's okay. I don't think that the 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 goal, at least for me, the goal, like I don't want to be a billionaire. I just don't. I don't want to be because I don't want to hoard that much wealth. Now, granted, if if I woke up tomorrow and I had a billion dollars in my account and I told my wife, like, we're gonna give the majority of this away, I'm not sure how long I'll be married. <laughs> I think my wife would be okay with that. If I said if I had a billion dollars in my account, I told my wife, listen, we can ostensibly live off of fifty million. Yes. You know, do everything you want to do yes. in your life, but we're going to put nine hundred fifty million into some program. Yeah, you know, she might divorce me. Really. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like okay, like, yeah, you know. But she, and I mean, no, don't get me wrong. If I woke up and saw that much money, then my polit- if my politics changed that quickly, it's like you know, Jason was full of shit, man. Yeah, like yeah. he went over there and yeah, talked you know all what? that, talked all that cash in, and then next thing you know, he over there like, okay, nobody knows where he is. You, know, you can't text him or find him anymore. All I'm gonna, all I'm gonna hear Jason talk about Rolls Royce. Bitch. <laughs> right, the doors go that way. <laughs> I'm just gonna pull up to my like I'm gonna pull up to the crib one day like, hey man, hey, hey, look man, hey, look, yeah, right, right. Hey, Your voice no. gonna change. Yep. All that, all that deep philosophical. You can be, hey, play man. Yeah, yep. We don't we don't do stuff like that. <laughs> you know, we need a, all that rabble rousing needs to stop. Man. You know yeah, man. I'm like not, I'm gonna have a driver. All of that. You ain't got to yeah. worry about none of that. Like, okay, Jason woke up with a billion dollars, and okay, yeah. When, when you rich, you, your voice changes. Absolutely. You know, you get not so much intensity. You know no, man, man. You you ain't got all that stress, player. Player, man. What yeah, like no, man. We ain't, Come on, no, man. We, we ain't studying. We ain't studying none of that, no, man. We gonna we gonna get it together. <laughs> yeah, yes. We gonna get it together. You're talking baby. a bunch of empty platitudes yeah. because you know. <laughs> Man, listen, I ain't dealing with this bullshit, man. You know how much money I got? Man, play it. I check my bank account every morning. I wake up happy. <laughs> I go to bed happy when I check my bank account. Exactly. You know Everybody good, man. No, man. You yeah, know, but when you when you both like, man, we need to change the neolist, neoliberal capitalist society. Look, there's gonna be a there's gonna be like you're gonna run one day. One day is like, man, Jason was on here talking all this cash. Then the next day is like, no, man, like we we ain't we ain't gotta do all that play. Like you. You need some more equipment, cuz? Yeah, cause yeah, I yeah. got you. Like you need some. Okay, let me go. Yeah, let me go talk to my accountant real Matter quick. Matter of fact, I, I ain't gonna be able to be here long, man. Oh, I got court size seats for the Laker game, and I, I gotta yeah. hop on my uh, with a G five, whatever it is, yeah. to get out. Like, nah, man, we ain't we ain't <laughs> studying none of that, Bronny, man. It's Bronny James. Uh, is a debut, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I was invited to uh, what, what's the little girl name? Bronny's uh, or or LeBron's daughter. I was invited to her birthday party, man. So I ain't gonna be able to stay around <laughs> yeah, too long, you know. Oh, it's funny. This ain't got nothing to do with nothing. So, um, you ever watch that show? Uh, it's on FX. It's a Snowfall? Snowfall. Yeah. And the actor who plays him, right, plays Franklin. So Franklin, he says, he says, he's uh, British, isn't he? He's British, yeah. yeah. And so he says that one day he was. It was at the beginning of the, the whole pan, the panini, in the beginning of the panini. Yeah. Um, he mentions how he was wishing somebody happy birthday. He said, hey, get on the Zoom. He said, I didn't really know what Zoom was. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and so yeah. he says, I, I uh, jump on the Zoom. I think it's like four people. And then, you know, I'm, I'm out on Zoom. It's like midnight to where I'm at. Yeah. And I got my shirt off. I'm in, I'm in bed, you know? And, uh, and then he starts recognizing the voice. Hey, man, this guy. Basically, it was Jay-Z. Jay-Z on the, on the, yeah. And he started looking at the group. He's like, wait, because he recognized the voice immediately. He started looking at like, who's on this group? Who's on this Zoom? And he sees like, it's 40 people. And it was like all these celebrities, yep. right? Yep. And then it was, I thought the most fascinating thing, he didn't talk about this. It was like, it's the concept of you've gotten to a level of fame to where you're like, you're invited to a celebrity group. Yep. You know, Zoom. Mm-hmm. 
and like you're like it's just what it is. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, just, that's your life now. That's your life now. Yes, like you're just on a, and you're not. You didn't plan on being on the Zoom. You know what I mean? It's just like it's just who you are. Yeah, it is what you, what you, what you, where you're at in your life. You Rich know, people problems, man. Rich people problems, and I, I find that fascinating because. One day I'm not gonna be able to talk to you because I'm gonna be on the Zoom. And I'm not gonna, and you know you can be Kamara man. What you, I was like, man, let's play, man. Jay Z was on the Zoom. That's gonna be my po- podcast. Jay-Z. My podcast is gonna be a lot of celebrity talk. Right, yes. now, right now it's just it's just regular people talk. It's gonna be like, man, hey man, I'm just talking to Jay, man, and we were just having this, we were pontificating. Like, wait, 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 J- Jay, Jay. Oh, you know, oh, you know him as uh, Sean Carter. You know. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Jay Z. You know, you know, man. You know, calling LeBron James by his middle name or nickname. It's yeah. like, well, what in the world? Like, like hey, man. Hey, hey look, man, th- these, man. yeah, man. This ain't got nothing to do with you, brother. Hey, man. You know, this podcast then blew up. You know, I got the sponsorships. <laughs> you know, man. You know, doing the podcast on the back of a yacht. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the, man. Yeah, I, but to that point, going back to the original topic yeah. about you know performative activism, um, I think. The vast majority of what we see from the top or in the mainstream mm-hmm. is performative. And I think the underbelly of that, so to speak, you know, the, the activists who, you know, like, I think it's been like eight people to die mm-hmm. in Ferguson who were, you know, protesting. Like those, that's the foundation. Yeah. And the foundation always ends up being cracked or split apart because there's always some vultures basically to come in, take all the shine get all the money and then they try to basically outsource it to the rest of the country. And to Tamir's mom, to her point, what I appreciate about her is that you don't, you don't necessarily have to agree with what she's saying. She's been clear since day one though. Mm -hmm. Once she learned about basically how all of this works, you know, she was critical of Hillary Clinton. She wasn't critical of the mothers that endorsed her. She just said, I hope that Hillary stays true to her word, but I support them. Yeah. However, I will not be endorsing Hillary Clinton. She's, you know, you mentioned that she's criticized the Obamas. She's criticized basically all these folks. And then Michael Brown's father basically has come out and said, look, y'all raised $90 million. Yeah. We ain't seen none not, of that. Not a near nut of that money. None of that. And the, and the crazy part is neither have the Black Lives Matters chapters that are across the country. The chapters are doing some of the work. It's the national organization. Okay. So we've talked privately about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And I know when it first dropped, I said I don't like that they never incorporated and you and to your point and what they've the founders that we did that because we we didn't want to centralize them. yeah yeah but it seems like that was a really bad plan yeah you know yeah that was real that didn't take that really didn't have any vision yeah and to the point where now other people have co-opted them co-opted that movement. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder, you know, if there's some form of regret in not centralizing that because you could have controlled messaging and you could have made sure there could have been some more yeah. push because it became perform- performative. To that point, though, on the other side of it, I once read somewhere that a black liberation theory said they hated the name Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. because what you're essentially saying is that you're acquiescing to a city, to a system that is never meant to yes. enhance you. Mm-hmm. And so you saying indubitably that I, Black Lives Mattering, like I'm screaming, that means you're trying to remind the system yes. as a point to say, 
I don't want it, I don't care if you don't agree that my my life matters. I'm just gonna let you know that what I want. So they were like, I hate the phrasing of Black Lives Matter because of what it it pretty much takes an indoctrinated sub subservient. It's almost like view. you're begging for them to see your humanity. Yeah, you're begging. That's yeah. what the, that's a better, more sensitized way to say it. Yeah. Um and so I wonder if even in all that sense, was it a well thought out concept? I think on their part it was because to your point about performative activism, if 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 our foundation, let's just say our foundation for this conversation is what Elaine Brown, the clip that you played of Elaine Brown, mm-hmm. in that sense, then the vision was clear. Yeah, I don't think there was the thought of tearing down the entire system because if so, then there has to be some sacrifice. And I got two kids and a wife, man. I'm not, I'm just not willing to sacrifice my life at this point for the move, so-called movement. But I also recognize if I dedicate my life to that, then that becomes a part of basically who I am. Yeah. That means that I, I have to be okay with sacrificing my life for the movement. Or the betterment of, of black people globally. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was their thought. I think their thought was, we are going to show and prove that black lives matter in across the world or across the United States. And, you know, we're going to do so through protest and through changing who the local elected officials are. I'm not saying that work isn't hard. You know how hard that work can be. But I also know that they weren't as committed to it. And maybe they don't know that they're not as committed to it as some of the folks who come before us who did like, who lost their lives. It's scary though. Who struggled. Very. It's scary to say, I'm willing to die for this thing that I may not even know it's going to work. Yes. You got to be that committed, though. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, I'm not that committed. And, okay, so you're not that committed. So then can we be critical of people who made million dollars in entertainment? And they're like, hey, I'm just giving a platform. Because I don't think that's what they're doing. I'm just, okay, I'm just saying. And again, I I get what you're, I'm not saying that that's coming from you. Yeah. But, like, for me, my, um, I want to say excuse, but basically it's like, you know, if I went home today and I said, you know what? I told my wife, I, I'm, I don't want to do this work anymore. I'm going to commit myself fully to the liberation of black people. And here's what that means. And she's like, okay, so you're willing to die and sacrifice your life, even though you have two small kids and a wife that you have support. Yeah. She would be like, well, I'm not willing to do that. So Correct. We're, we're going to take these So kids. at that point, she has, she's made, yeah. I basically have, I'm, I'm, she has a choice. You're going to stay? Or you're going to go. Yeah. And that means that there's going to be even more struggle on top of any struggles that we have right now. Yeah. So what I mean to say, I'm, I'm not willing to say, I'm not willing to sacrifice the livelihood and the lives of my family um, for this movement, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about celebrities and being critical of the way that they choose to move in this environment, I don't think that they are committed at all. Yeah. Not saying that they are committed to a certain level, I think that to what you said earlier is that there needs to be some type of uh, you always have to increase your profile or you have to be seen. Mm -hmm. And by linking yourself to these activists and to these separate movements and to these silos, it allows you to do that. And I'm not saying that like the little baby song, I'm not saying he doesn't care. I'm not what I'm saying at all. 
But I also think that I can't remember the word of it, but I, I can't remember the phrasing, but it's performative. It was like um, most of some years ago, he went through, I think it was waterboarding and he, he filmed it. He was in a three piece suit. They laid him down in the chair, strapped him down. They stuck a, a, a tube down his nose and just kept feeding him water. And he's like, it was extraordinarily painful. I thought I was going to die. But what happened? They took the tube out of his nose Dried himself off, put his suit jacket on, and he walked out the building. I get what he was attempting to convey and go for, but I also recognize that's not his life. Yeah. So when celebrities are telling you how much they care, and you know, we use Ti as an example and Killer Mike, and there's not a level of commitment there that I don't think that they recognize that they don't have it. So uh, what happens is though. And I've talked about this in the writings. It devalues the movement. Very much so. Someone like T.I. has devalued the movement when he tries to pro- pro- propagate himself as some type of activist. Yep. With, especially in light of everything in his accusations between him and his wife. It makes it worse when we accept it. We've accepted it. And we've accepted his ideas, ideals of these celebrities that they are yes. activists. Yeah. And just landing this plane, I guess the conversation is what value did they bring? And it's like, the cumulative value of them of them putting out their platform does is smaller to the greater detriment of them actually devaluing the product of liberation. Yes, because it makes liberation seem like oh, so they you know because they get the voice, the pain, that's enough. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But did, did little baby say, all right, I'll do this performance, but I need CBS to invest in these art programs. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like, or maybe he doesn't have it because it's like, CBS like, I'm doing you a favor. Exactly. You're, you're, yeah. I'm putting your, to put, boost up your songs. You know what I mean? So it's like, but it's like, the, what is the exchange of promoting a protest? What is the exchange of, you know, this performative protest that they're put out? There isn't on, one. They're like, they're, what is, yeah. Yeah, there isn't one. Right? And so then we just, what value did they bring? And it's like, what value did we did it be garnered from that? And I think that's the overall conversation. I don't know if we were going to come up with an answer. I don't think this, we are. On the podcast, but we're just talking. I, I mean, I don't think that we are supposed to have the solutions to a lot of these things. Yeah. I think that having the conversation is important for us and the listeners. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, this is it. We're not sitting around the table scheming and strategizing on what should happen next. We're yeah. basically two homeboys who are talking. Right. So... I think that when it when it comes to individuals of that nature and, you know, we're asking, OK, w- what value did you bring to this? It can't just be. Profile, you know what I mean? It can't just be visibility. Black people have been around long enough and the struggle of black people and people being murdered on camera and for the world to see has been done over and over and over and over again. It's going to be done again in the future. It's probably being done right now. There's no value to that anymore. Mm. You know, one of the strategies of the civil rights movement was, you know, we're going to show all these black people being beat up and, you know, it's going to soften the heart of the the white man. We haven't learned a new strategy in 70 years. Well, I'll say this. If seeing pictures of people being hung does not eliminate racism, watching someone die from a gun violence is not going to do it either. Or watching a Grammy performance. Or watching a Grammy performance. Not gonna I mean, do. honestly, when you think about it, if CBS and the, the the Academy or, you know, 
if they're okay with it, what did it really do? Right. So we talk about this in my in the Judas and Black Messiah podcast. If you haven't checked it out, please check that out. <laughs> oh, I have. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, there they it came out that they were actually doing a, uh, I guess, is it was it the, the awards the, the at Oscars? I couldn't. Yeah. yeah, they have them as uh, supportive actors. Yeah, right. And then people ask like, well, who's them the lead actor? <laughs> right now, I know the, the the business behind it. They do that so they can better chance of winning awards. But yeah. you know the obvious joke that which I said on that podcast was. Well, white supremacy was the <laughs> there you go. was the lead actor. <laughs> that was that. If you didn't get that from the yep. the movie, yep. then that was a problem with the movie. Yeah. That you couldn't articulate that. It didn't say it was the Fred Hampton story. It said it was the I, Judas and the Black Messiah. And the Black Messiah and Fred was just a supporting character in this story. <laughs> He's a supporting character in his own story. In his own story, and it's the same thing. I think you and I talked about the Marcus Garvey movie that's about to come out. And there's another movie that's about to come out that's telling the story of this person from the... By the way, the Marcus Garvey, they're doing the same thing where it's a informant. <laughs> there's an informant in the government who's going to undervalue, is going to devalue the uh, Marcus Garvey movie. And it's like, number one, the fact that this is a reoccurring theme in Black Liberation... It's really sad. It's, oh but my gosh, man. <laughs> but you know, I, I think that that goes back to the point of you know what we talked about earlier is that we don't. George Floyd is a afterthought now, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I don't mean the person because I recognize the trial that officer is is coming up, but I mean the idea and the so called movement that was supposed to happen after or that happened after. That's an afterthought that we don't discuss that anymore. Right, and then secondarily. We're just, I just don't know where we go from here, man. Like, yeah. I, I don't, everything is for sale now. All these, you know, these movies about black liberators are being told from the perspective of the state. Oh, my gosh. I just looked, I just did something about George Floyd. I Googled him. You know, they have him listed under Google. American hip hop artist. Well, he technically was. Ah, I, I mean, he was with the screwed up click, and I feel like they ran with that <laughs> as if he put out some albums and was this big, huge rap star. And I think he had a few verses on a DJ Screw album. But that is not his. Yeah, man. That is not his being. He's been, not, you know. Not, yeah. I just wanted to Google what what uh, they yeah. have him listed under, and it's yeah. American hip hop. I'm like. That's See, that, that's that's what I mean, man. Like we, and I, I'll use Tamika Mallory as an example, mm-hmm. is that that's the type of activism I think a lot of people are striving for these days, mm-hmm. is that you can still be fresh, you can still be fly, you can still have a little dough, and you can still fight for the, for the freedom of black people. And those things do not equal, like that's, you, you can't. Right. You can't. It, it's all going to be performative, and you will get, tagged by someone like Elaine Brown. And then I also wonder, as we get older, as you know, you and I age into our 50s and 60s, who are those people going to be? Mm-hmm. As more activists, and because this struggle isn't stopping anytime soon, so as younger folks come up, who's going to be the individuals now that are going to be of age that are going to look back and say, no, what y'all doing is bullshit right now. 
Who is that going to be? Who's going to be that person? Who's going to be the Elaine Browns of our generation? Who's going to be the organization? Yeah. Yeah. We got plenty, man. We had SNCC. We had SCLC. We had the Black Panther Party. We Like, we had so many we can pull from. Yeah. And now it's all under the umbrella of Black Lives Matter? Yeah. Like, what? Like, what? We don't have a foundation anymore. And that, to me, it just seems like we are just careening toward... I can't say destruction because it's not as if you can't destroy anything that's not there. I just don't know where we're going, man. And I include myself in that. I'm not, I'm not, I am not independent from that criticism. That includes myself. Where are we going? I don't think we know. And that's how we're going to end this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to end it on that note. Well, you know, where are we going? Uh, I thought probably should like that probably be the title of the podcast. Um, Where are we going, man? Where are we? That is so somber. (laughs) Where are we going? Uh, Performative activism. Where are we going? That's what that's going to be in the podcast. That's how we come up with these things. It's organic. Um, So we are. So Jason, we talked talked about a lot of stuff. We did. Um, There was not really any two direction where we went. (laughs) I don't know how this is going to play, but whatever. We're going to rock with it. Hey, man, you landed it, though. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) To be TBD. You might have scared off the runway a little bit, but you brought it back in. Maybe. Um, But, yo, if you guys thought I landed this plane, please, please, please uh, share this with uh, your friends and family on social media and text messages, as I stated. Um, I'd like to remind everybody to, as I continue to said throughout the show, go to KamaraWins.com, check me out. And, uh, thank you for listening all the way through. If you've done so, um, I appreciate it. I thank Jason for coming back on. Absolutely, man. You know, uh, I appreciate you inviting me, man. Yeah, man. I, I always like someone that makes me look, uh, like a good person. <laughs> so, um, I'd like to have you back on though. Hey man, look, whenever you need a certified hater, just. Text yeah. me and let me know I'm ready. He's I'm just, ready to. Ready I'm to the hate. stink meaner of this joint, man. Yeah. I'm ready to blow it down. Yeah, man. So uh, I appreciate that. It's all love, and you know, with that, we are going to ride out. <laughs> <laughs>